it's August, that most hallowed month of the year when we celebrate the illustrious role-playing game. Are you bursting with energy to celebrate the hobby that fuels your imagination and haunts your dreams? Do you feel a burning need to share your passion for your hobby? Join Spencer, a.k.a. Free Thrall, as he waxes poetic about the word of the day throughout the most wondrous month of the year, RPG A Day Month. He was slinging pawns at a B&B when he had an epiphany. And they complained about time too about not playing the ND. It was free through all, and I heard him say he bought my Borderlands. But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick, cause you're incapable. Hello and welcome to Keep Off the Borderlands, the podcast about RPGs and stuff. My name is Spencer, aka Free Thrall, and opening the show there, we heard the sybaritic tones of Liren of updates from the middle of nowhere. This episode is a roundup of the second week of RPG a Day Month. And if you're wondering what RPG a Day Month is all about, there's a handy link in the show notes. It's Sunday the 12th of August, 2023. Hold up. Um, no it isn't. I'll be addressing prompts 7 to 12, possibly even 13. Or 14, even. If I don't end up getting this out in a timely manner. But before we get into all that, I have a handful of calls I would like to respond to. Hey there Spencer, it's John here from the Red Dust Stories. Just finished listening to your RPG A Day 2023 Week 1 Retcon Redux whatever i forget the exact title as we've discussed i also have a terrible memory but i thought your sort of retcon review was a great way of turning having a bit of a poor memory about these things and these questions where they're asking us to dredge back into our gaming history into a bit of a feature to be honest and i really love the idea that you'd sort of gone back and gone oh yeah i, I might have answered some of these uh, answers wrong or factually incorrect not that it invalidates the original answers but here's like a sort of a remix of the original answers and some additional cool stuff that i'm enjoying in terms of rpgs i thought that was really nice to hear and it was a really great idea of an episode and like i say turning having a bit of a poor memory which as i've said uh, to the beginning of this voicemail assuming i've not forgot i also suffer with turning it into a feature rather than just sort of lamenting it. I thought that was a really great idea. Anyway, dude, thanks very much for the episode. Greatly enjoyed it. And thanks for the kind words about my own output. Very much appreciated. Looking forward to the next one for the next week of RPG Day 2023. Keep up the good work, sir, and I will catch you soon. John Allen Large there of Red Dice Diaries. And thank you so much for that message, John. Pleased to hear you've been enjoying my output and... Yeah, I was tempted to re-record all my answers, but then thought it would be much more fun to incorporate them 
into the episode. And I'm really pleased you enjoyed that. John's been putting out some great stuff of his own recently, not just covering RPG a Day Month on Substack, but somehow managing to also put out regular episodes, which I've been enjoying. Really appreciate that, John. Cheers. Spencer, just getting into your latest episode, and I had to stop because uh, Jason just called in with one of those insane, <laughs> insane conspiracy theories about how Dungeon Masters not only aren't players, but they're not actually playing the game. And it's just a ludicrous, asinine, ridiculous statement to make that has no bearing whatsoever in reality. So thank you for pointing out that, yes, some games do have asymmetrical rules and all the players might be using different rules. It's it's so... Again, I, I've talked about it before. No one's ever explained it in any sort of logical sense why the dungeon master isn't playing the game. The reason they haven't is because it doesn't make any logical sense. It's it's like if you're playing chess and someone uses the queen on their turn, but somebody else uses the pawn. Oh no, they're they're playing different games. Those pieces have different rules, so they're playing different games. It's it's silly. <laughs> I love it, man. So anyway, got to get back to the episode. Take it easy, dude. Peace out. Hey, Joe. Joe Richter there of Hindsightless. I could have elaborated on that response to Jason's message a bit more, I guess. But I'm glad that my point came across. I was going to say that enough time has been spent on this issue that there's really no more to be said. But hold on, what's this? Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Player's Handbook? Compiled information for players and dungeon masters? There's certainly a distinction being made there. But this game's handbook clearly indicates information is for both kinds of participants. The game is ideally for three or more adult players. One player must serve as the dungeon master. Player? Dungeon master? Steady on there, Gary. You'll be giving folks the impression they're all playing the same game. Thanks for your call, Joe. Hey, Spencer. It's Michael, Chicago Witness. Just listening to your call-ins from episode 222, uh, specifically Jason, where he was talking about a previous call-in about the types of decisions that GMs and players make and the number and so on. And it got me thinking that I, I think it's a continuum where all of those decisions and inputs and discussions and Roles of the dice are going to contribute to the game as a whole, and so there's going to be a push-pull. You know, I think uh, as you pointed out, as Jason pointed out, that the uh, type of people involved, the system that you're using, the type of adventure it is, is definitely going to play into that. Um, there's sometimes where I will just sit there for 15, 20 minutes or so and just listen to the players go on about their crazy uh, idea as they're trying to figure out how to face an obstacle 
that I've put into their path. Um, and I'll take notes naturally, but you know, there's not a lot of decision making there for me. But then there's other parts where the players have done something that I haven't anticipated for. And I need to figure out, you know, how difficult is this thing that they're going to do or that they're facing now? Uh, you know, what's going on? What's the reaction? And, and part of, and now this goes into kind of the, the emergency toolkit, part of it is less system or at least less specific mechanic and more about how you can use what you already know. Um, I use the 2D6 reaction role far more than people may realize behind the screen because it's such a great way of segregating, you know, easily four different alternatives and you're not dictating, the dice are dictating that. Um, and, and for me, that's probably the one secret sauce tool that I use more than anything else is, is that little uh, reaction role kind of uh, kind of approach. And another thing for the toolkit is just talk to the players. You know, if 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 I were in a situation, I'm, I'm heading to work right now, so let's say you know I'm at work and somebody wants to sit down and oh, I've heard about this role-playing thing and what's it all about I may not have a specific adventure but then it's a discussion with the player you know um, I don't have to come up with something sometimes the players come up with or a lot of times I would say in fact probably most of the time players come up with way cooler crap than I ever could and so I just listen and make notes and riff off of that um, a lot of times that's what I do at a convention. I'll bring something, but a good half of the time the players want suddenly decide they want to go explore something that may be totally trivial to me, but this is what they're really excited about. They're really into it, so I'll riff off of that. Anyway, it's been a great episode so far. I don't uh, admit to know anything about these uh, Into the Odds and uh, Karen and uh, those kinds of games but what i do here is your enjoyment your involvement and you learning about them and i think that's awesome so take care and game on hey michael michael shorten there aka chicago wiz of the dungeon masters handbook dropping some knowledge there i don't think there's anything i need to add to that other than there not being any real mystery around what enter the odd and can are uh, they're simply super simple simply super simple <laughs> they're simply <laughs> super simplified takes on D D, basically and i have another message from michael hey spencer it's michael chicago is again uh, i'm still listening to episode 222 and you just got done talking about traveler and you know it's interesting Traveler actually has what I consider to be one of the most simplest mechanics that I've ever run into in a gaming system. And here it is. 2d6, plus or minus, say, one to three dice modifiers, is greater than a target number, usually eight or higher. That's it. That's all combat is. Uh, that is 
the vast majority of the roles that the rules call for going against the various expertises. And I'm talking here from Traveler as published in 1977. Um, I know that, you know, the second edition published in 81 and then the starter Traveler are all basically the same. They added more detail, more fluff, uh, various things. But at the end of the day, that really is the mechanic. And even simpler is it's 2D6 plus or minus whatever uh, modifiers you as the referee deem appropriate is greater than a target number you choose. Um, there's various ways of doing that. And, you know, a lot of people use 8 plus because, well, that's what the rules say to do for combat. But I found it really easy to combine my idea of the 2d6 reaction role and figuring out what the difficulty should be if I don't have a good feel for the difficulty while I'm running a situation. You know, let's say you were playing Traveler in my game and you boarded a derelict spaceship. We'll call it a Battlestar. And you wanted to get through an area that had some radioactive substances in it that would threaten your life, you could, you know, say, hey, Mike, you know, this is what I'm going to do, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, oh, while, while I'm at it, I might be hacking into the computer system if there's any power available and seeing if I can pull up a schematic and find out where other safe places might be. And in my head, if I haven't figured out how difficult that is, I may roll 2d6. And if you roll high, or if I roll high, it's going to be difficult. If I roll low, it's going to be easy. And based on that, I may come up with a target number anywhere from 4, 6, 8, 10. And then say, okay, guess what? You are going to roll 2d6, and you're going to beat this number. And that's it. That is really the mechanic. And that is the mechanic that underlies everything about Traveler. I totally agree with you about the myriad of tables, but that's because a lot of them were for the procedures of rolling up a character or of, you know, rolling up a star system. But a lot of that is pretty gosh darn simple, just walking through step by step. And uh, yeah, I think it's a great little easy system. Once once I grasp the simplicity of 2D6, it's like, in some ways, I, I could almost see myself running Traveler more than I could running OD&D, which probably sounds like heresy, and I'll no doubt lose my Grognard card, but there you have it. Anyway, great episode. I'll enjoy finishing it off. I've got 12 minutes left. Game on. Thanks very much, Michael. And yes, that 2D6 core mechanic of Traveller wasn't completely lost on me, but I felt I had to extract it from its surroundings and basically steal it for my own 2D6 system, Osseus, in order for it to actually click with me. And also, that's a great tip when you're unsure of how difficult something should be to effectively turn it into an opposed role that would certainly be helpful in keeping things moving thank you very much for those calls michael really appreciate it cheers
So let's see what week two of RPG A Day Month 2023 has in store for us. Prompt number seven, the smartest RPG you've played. Well, this is another interesting one because anybody that's listened to me speak for any length of time will know that I struggle getting my head around rules. And anything that has more than four pages of rules just leaves me cross-eyed. Even the simplest of games don't actually click until I play them. My ideal RPG book would be four pages of rules, a cool looking map, some engaging hooks, and a stack of evocative random tables. That's what I look for in a game. So yeah, what is a smart game? Um, It's interesting that I kind of immediately equate that with something complex and therefore out of my wheelhouse, as it were. But I don't think a smart game has to be complex. In fact, I would say a smart game is something that's uh, clearly written and something that makes me feel smart when I'm reading it. And I would say the simpler, the better. So, what I'm going to plump for is Graham Walmsley's Cthulhu Dark because it does so much with so little and I've actually played it. I I played a game run by Scott Dorwood and he used it for a bit more of a, a gothic setting. He ran this great little two-shot, I think it was two sessions, kind of Eastern European gothic adventure that was a lot of fun. So, yeah, what is it about Cthulhu Dark? It's a very simple system. The 3d6 dice pool. One die represents the character's innate abilities. One die represents their profession. And one die is an insight die, which you add to a roll if you're dealing with anything disturbing. And if your insight die shows the highest value, then you have to make an insight check. Now your insight starts at one, and if you roll over your insight, you add one point to it. And once you've reached six points of insight, you've learned too much, and you're done, basically. Wonderfully simple. Also, uh, in using insight, it... It moves away from kind of psychopathology, you know, and mental health issues in favour of good old-fashioned existential dread. Day 8. Favourite character. Well, I'm currently really enjoying playing Norm O'Neill, who's a common criminal turn hired muscle in the current pulp Cthulhu game we're playing at the moment, the shadow of Yogg-Sothoth. He's got a bit of a smart mouth, 
just a lot of fun to play around with. Um, Brap Crodman springs to mind, who I did an episode about. Episode 174. He was a warrior in a Black Hack campaign. I was playing that was being run by Dave Aldridge, who used to do the Deeper Centile podcast. This was kind of a West March's troop play game. Essentially, he was another gangster, but Brap was trying to reform himself and had this really interesting emergent character arc that really fascinates me to this day. The way things played out for Brap, it saw him end up as this kind of monstrous, deluded agent of vengeance. And um, it, it would be nice to revisit that character at some point and, um, you know, contemplate what he got up to next. So, yeah, I guess Brap is the character that I keep coming back to. Day nine, favourite dice. Firstly, the most important thing about the kind of dice I like is that they have to be legible. I don't really get these fancy designed dice where you can't really see what the result is. Aesthetically speaking, I am a fan of the old 2D6. I also like that range, that bell curve, which means that small modifiers have big impacts. It's probably not the best mechanism for people who enjoy mechanical character advancement as there's not a lot of wiggle room there before things are thrown all out of whack. Thinking about my first gaming dice, the ones that came in that Games Workshop Merp box set that I picked up way back in 1985. It's a percentile system so the, the dice that were included were numbered 0 to 9 twice. So 20-sided D10s. One was red, one was black. Now, I don't know what happened to those original dice, but Menion, also known as Rob, from Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushi, very kindly sent me a replacement pair all the way from Kyoto, which was an extremely kind gesture and... Thank you. Thank you very much for that, Rob. It really is nice to have those dice again. I do like the DCC Dungeon Crawl Classics, not just because of the funky shaped dice, but I'm a fan of the way they have designed their D4s with the flattened off peaks of the tetrahedrons so that the results are actually shown on the top of the dice. This makes them a lot easier for me to pick up. Traditional D4s are a real, real problem for me. I did post some pictures on social media on the 9th of some of my favourite dice, which includes a nice set of yellow Chessex dice, which I have expanded to include three extra D6s, a six-sided D3, marked up in Roman numerals to distinguish it from the other D6s. One of those aforementioned D4s with the rounded tips. 
and an additional d20 just for advantage disadvantage purposes it's a nice little 12 piece set which have become my favorite set in recent times i also have a nice little set of uh, d6s which i picked up on a kickstarter the the company that produces them escapes me but if i remember i'll put a link in the show notes there's a reaction die with little emoji faces on it there's a yes and no but die there's a weather die with meteorological symbols on it and there's also a hit location die with a little stick figure with arrows through different areas of its body also more recently i received two 12-sided d6s which came with that trika softback kickstarter that i spoke about in the previous episode they are really nice and being 12-siders they roll extremely well day 10 favorite tie-in fiction well i don't really read tie-in fiction i did try the dragonlance chronicles as a kid dragons of autumn twilight i believe the first book is uh, but i didn't really get on with those at all so as we're trying to keep things positive here i'm going to talk about the work of jack vance not really tie-in fiction but i guess D is a tie-in for vance's fiction if i can flip it on his head like that i only started reading vance quite recently beginning with the dying earth stuff and i really enjoy his style it has an immediacy to it there's this brevity but also a real love of archaic language and that really appealed to me i also like the fact that it's not kind of straight up fantasy which is strange considering that it's regarded as the inspiration for D, something which i view as being very generic although i do realize it doesn't have to be like that Day 11, weirdest game you've played. Well, I guess this has to go to Daniel Sell's Troika. Travel by Eldritch Portal and non-Euclidean Labyrinth and Golden Sail Barge between uncountable crystal spheres strung delicately across the humpback sky. What you encounter in those spheres in those liminal places is anybody's guess and i wouldn't presume to tell you though inside this book you will find people and artifacts from these worlds which will suggest the shape of things the adventure and wonder are in the gaps your game is defined by the ways in which you fill them
the way it's set up is that it can accommodate almost any setting and that random initiative system of pulling tokens out of a bag is utterly bonkers in fact possibly the strangest session of that game i've been involved in was run unsurprisingly by tj drennan where the party actually attended an open mic night and uh well as you can imagine hilarity ensued and um, it all culminated in a bar brawl <laughs> yeah it was very funny and utterly insane I do wonder if that initiative system could be frustrating for some folks, but if you enter into the whole spirit of the game, the unpredictability, it just adds to that sense of madness. Day 12. Old game, you still play. Well, as I said, I do have Merp, that box set from 1985, which is most certainly the oldest game I own, but I have no real intentions of getting back to playing that, if I'm honest. What I do play pretty regularly is Call of Cthulhu. Now, we do play 7th edition, and more recently, Pulp Cthulhu. But as far as I'm aware, Call of Cthulhu hasn't strayed too far from its roots. And we are playing a campaign from 1982. So, yeah, I guess that qualifies. Day 13. Most memorable character demise well i have to be careful here because i don't want to spoil any actual plays that i'm a part of i'll return to that black hack campaign that i spoke about in response to the prompt from day eight remy voltaire was a thief who only survived one session but what a session the mission was to rescue another one of my characters a wizard called Mootzekel, who'd gone missing in a dimension-hopping mishap. Yeah, so this involved going through a portal, being dropped into a chaotic battlefield, dodging aerial attacks from dragons, taking on a whole troop of wizards before being taken out in the final showdown, facing off against a sorceress. Poor Remy was consumed by a fireball. Despite his demise, fortunately, the mission was successful and Moot was returned home, but not before commissioning the building of an educational academy in Remy's honour. Well, it seems I've miscalculated because today is the 14th and the prompt for today is favourite convention purchase. Now, I'm not a con man. 
Although there may be somebody who disagrees with that. <laughs> but my point is, I've never been to a convention and therefore I don't have a favourite convention purchase. So that was easy, wasn't it? Well, that's quite enough from me. Thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate all the messages I receive. If you'd like to contact the show, you can leave me an audio message via speakpipe.com slash keepofftheborderlands, all one word. You can email me at spencer.freethrall at gmail.com. You can also find me on Discord. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at freethrall. Mastodon at 3 for all at mastodon.social and there's even the Keep Off The Borderlands Facebook group and you'll find links to all those things and more at freethrall.card that's with two r's.co you can hear me in actual plays on Grizzly Peaks Radio and you can sign up to the Stochasium my Substack newsletter and I've also started putting stuff up on YouTube. If you'd like to support the show, you can at co-fee.com slash freeforall. There's my itch page. Or you may even want to give the show a review. The music for Keep Off The Borderlands is provided by the multi-talented Mr. TJ Drennan. And it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ. Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.